Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. David Abate on YouTube. Welcome to the former steel buckle of the Rust Belt, southwestern Pennsylvania. Well said, my friend. Good to see you and good to see everybody else I recognize on here. Mindy on the app, Leslie, Janice, and on uh, YouTube. Glad to have you and the few they let trickle in on Facebook. Glad to have Oh, Cape Town, South Africa. Houston, Texas. I'd love to see where everybody's watching from. Today is part two. Who told you you're in a season of waiting? Destiny changing decisions you can make today, part two. Well, good morning, uh, Dylan, from the great Josh family. Marcy up in Montreal. Love you. Very proud of so many people that are on here. <laughs> Declan from the Revival Today Bible Institute Lounge. Nice to have you. Um, very proud of many of the people I see on here. Stood strong for two and a half years. Strong people. Now your veins aren't loaded with blood clots and it feels good. It's nice enough for them not to pull out six feet pieces of rope out of your blood. Always nice. Um, I'm going to try to finish this because uh, I don't want to carry it in any further and I think I can do it. So let's give it a whirl. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5, Joshua 1.5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Let it never depart from your mouth. Never uh, meditate, it, meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. What a tremendous scripture. That's why I read it a lot. Prosper and succeed in all that you do. I want you to write that down. If you meditate on my word day and night, if you're careful to obey everything that's in it, and you never let it depart from your mouth. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. What a tremendous pro uh, uh, promise. That sets you at ease. Whatever you're facing today, that scripture covers it. God's promised us prosperity and success in everything we do, whether people like it or not, that's in the Bible. And scriptures like it all through the Bible. I wanted to bring up something we brought up yesterday. Uh, why are Christians so adverse to prosperity, success, land ownership, buildings? Casinos are throwing up 100, 300, 700, 1.2 billion buildings left and right 
If you start talking about Christian, uh, buildings in the Christian community, it's not too long before you have somebody in the comments. It's not about buildings. It's not about success. No, it kind of is. Church isn't about buildings. Church is about people. That's right. Then once you get those people saved, and then you go to disciple them, you have to gather them somewhere. And if you gather them in a field, and it's minus 20 out, you lose some converts because they die. So buildings matter. There's a reason civilization has advanced the way that it did. I want to challenge you right at the beginning of this to not be a bozo Christian, an idiot, that always has something harsh to say about success, land, buildings. I heard a pastor say, we're not going to sell out the glory of God in this church just so we can have a building, because he didn't have a building. Well, you don't have to sell out. I don't know if he ever read the story of the temple in the Old Testament, but that was when God's glory came and filled a building. God's not against buildings. There's tens of thousands of ornate, beautiful churches all over the world that were built, not by the devil. God gave people plans to build, to acquire land. Land ownership matters, and you've heard me teach on that. That's the, um, that's the beginning place of this lesson. Who told you you're in a dry season? Or who told you you're in a season of waiting? Destiny Changing Decisions, you can make today part two. Obviously, if you haven't heard part one, I would uh, encourage you to go back into that. But I'm not going to finish part two. I'm not very good at recapping what I said because then I just end up preaching it all over again. Part of breaking out of a quote-unquote dry season or season of waiting is to make up, is, is to understand God isn't going to give me prosperity God isn't going to give me success. I carry prosperity and success right now. And maybe I'll go, I'll go into this while I'm at it. A little personal testimony. I went to Bible college for four years. I'm not against training, but even there, that wasn't a dry season or a season of waiting. I had a door open for me when I was in Bible college to begin preaching in Lexington, Massachusetts. Became the youth pastor there. Started preaching on Sundays. Um, just so the media team knows, the sound in here is great. Makes it, makes it easy to speak. Um, if you ever hear me tell that story about the lady that came in with all her hair gone, that had cancer all through her body, that happened while I was in Bible college. That got healed. And then, um, thanks, Chris. Good to see you, Pastor Corey in Cincinnati. You're doing a, a great job. Thanks, Andrew. Found me in, in Virginia. And then when I got out of Bible school and started preaching, you know, God, I was thinking on my way into the building, God teaches you on the job. How many of you saw Steel City Fest that we just did in Pittsburgh? Guys, if, I, I know you've played the day one highlight a lot. If you have two or three, play that just real quick. It would be good to have on the broadcast, if you, whatever one. If you only have one, it's fine, but... Pop it up so people know what I'm talking about. Oh, they're getting it. When you see, let me know when it's ready. When you see, um, thanks, Mindy. When I watched all these people stream down the stadium onto the field and get saved, um, I told Adalis 
after the meeting when we did all night prayer. I said, who knew when we rented Helene Hall in Hana, Maui? That was the first neutral venue I ever rented. I'd never done that before. I'd only been invited to preach at people's churches and there were already people there. But when I rented that hall that could seat about 150 people if you packed it out, 200 maybe, got the chairs, invited people. We were able to get, I think I brought 30 people from the mainland. We were able to get another 20-some on the first night, had 50-some people there. Who knew that was training for one day securing a bigger venue and getting uh, 100 times that amount of people? Good to see you, Pastor Tom, in Florida. Looking forward to being with you again. Great seeing you in Tampa. God teaches you on the job. I could run through things this whole afternoon that I... You know, I didn't see it at the time, but I realized, I realized now it was God preparing me on a small scale so that when you start doing things on a big scale, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Live television, um, on down the line. So I don't really believe in a, uh, I don't believe God has to take you out to the desert to train you for 40 years to then put you in. And I'll tell you another thing, I'm yet to find somebody that believes like that, whoever ends up doing anything. The people that believe, you're gonna notice, people that believe in a season of waiting, stay in a season of waiting the rest of their life. It's actually, not to be too strong, but it's actually a demonic thing to get people out of action and into inaction and write it off to a spiritual thing. Of all the people who prophesied revival is coming and stadiums are going to be packed, the only thing that separates me from them is I decided, okay, if the Lord wants revival and the Lord wants stadiums to be packed, then let's get a stadium and pack it. Let's find a way to bring the invisible word of God into visible reality, tangibly. What stadiums are available? How will we fill them? That's the adventure of life. Then you think, you meditate, you pray. You get around other people that are wise and find a way to bring your dream into reality. Go ahead and roll the video. of heaven coming open over you tonight. I see God washing away every foul thing the devil's trying to do for your family, generation after generation of struggle and hurt. I see Jesus standing on this field, knocking the devil clean out of your life and bringing you into heaven's destiny. There is a different word, and it's a word from heaven. It's the word of God. It doesn't say a new disease is coming. It says God is your healer. God is your protector, that he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go.
So you make it happen. Now that's my thing. What's your thing? You're going to keep getting, how many prophetic words are you going to get about what God's going to do in your life before you start getting on the trail and making it happen? Who told you you're in a season of waiting? I'm telling you, and I'm right. That we are in an era in the church, Amos 9, 13. The day will come, says the Lord, where the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time. We're in an hour of quick productivity. Let me, let me do two housekeeping things while I'm at it. Media team, I need those recaps from Sturgis and Pittsburgh for when I go to um, Dallas. And tell Magalis they want to know what I want to talk about on Daystar next week. I want to talk about evangelism and, and bring those clips. I don't want to promote a book. Just while I'm thinking about it, so I don't forget it. And then more things. I'll do, um, I'll record television after prayer. Let's get some fresh ins and outs. Who told you you're in a season of waiting? Destiny changing decisions you can make today. Stop leaving everything in the, in, in the ethereal realm. You're going to be 71 years old telling people, I had a prophetic word over my life that God was going to use me to fill stadiums or take out fill stadiums and put, I was going to be one of the great businessmen of my day and God would use me to fund his kingdom in the last days. But if, if you leave it in the realm of prophecy, nothing will ever happen. You take the words that are spoken that you know are of the Lord and you do something with it. Now you saw that video. If you can get Pastor Rodney's prophecy and, and play that. What do they need? One minute? One minute. So I'm going to show you the word I received. And I want you to, you know, this word was, it'll tell you in March or April. And this crusade was September. So think of that. And well, one day when we have a big ministry and I have hundreds of thousands of ministry partners, move. Move now. As I gave that call, I saw, and not me, I saw this ministry <laughs> in a stadium in Pittsburgh with thousands of people coming. I saw it in a flash. Let me tell you, I saw it. It was right here in the city. I saw the people streaming down. I saw it, I felt it. Whew. Something big is about to happen here in this city. It's like a baseball stadium. There's something similar to that because the stands were there and then the field. That's what I saw. It was like that. The people came down and they stood. I could only relate to some kind of a stadium like that. Pretty accurate description. I saw the stands and then the field. That was April 27th. We were done with it by Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I'm not 61 
years old going, one day back in 2022, Pastor Rodney gave me a word that we're going to see a stadium filled. You see what I'm, I'm saying? I'm trying to get this across I, without sounding like a jerk or, or, or patting myself on the back. I'm trying to get you to understand a way to act in life. Run with it. When God, I felt called into the ministry at eight years old. I was at Bible school at 17. And if my parents would have let me go sooner, I'd have gone sooner. I was called into the ministry when I was 18. How old are you now? 50. Well, he probably called somebody else by now. I want you to write two words in the comments. Get moving. Get moving. What has God put on your heart? Why is it not done yet? You know, when you, when you realize that you're a servant of the Lord, if you're a servant, the quicker you carry things out and more accurately, if you carry out instructions quickly and accurately, you get promoted. You become a, a favored servant, a choice servant. That sounds a lot like works-based Christianity to me, brother. Try it sometime. Faith without works is dead. I'm not saved by faith. But I am expected to do work to promote kingdom endeavors, to build the kingdom of God. I am the body of Christ on the earth. There's things his body, he wants to carry out, the head wants to carry out through the body. I'm, I'm a member of that body. I'm not just sitting around soaking in his presence. That's why our church is the way it is. We don't have soaking nights and everything soaking and prayer. And everything but action. Everything but actual soul winning. Actual, not that you have to choose one or the other, but actual soul winning will outproduce praying for souls. Starting an actual business that makes money or getting a job will outperform quoting scriptures on prosperity. Tangible action to your Christianity. Jesus did that. Laid his hands on the sick, gathered multitudes, fed the hungry. Who turned Christianity into just always talking about something that's coming? It's going to be a revival coming, and I see there's going to be churches being built. Then build one. Get moving. Let's deal with quote-unquote problematic scriptures. You start talking this way, and it's like when you talk on healing. People have their two favorite scriptures the devil twisted for them to keep them from getting healed. You know, you got the Bible just loaded with healing. What about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? You start talking about this, people have their scriptures. Well, Jonathan said, um, there's no dry seasons or seasons of waiting. But Bible says God had to take Moses out to the backside of the desert before he could use him. So let's deal with those. And let's deal with that one first. What about Moses? God didn't make Moses go out into the desert to train him. Moses' uncontrolled temper caused him to have to flee a murder charge. He beat a man to death and buried him in the sand. That's a bit of an anger problem. You know, if you get real mad and you black out when you come to, you're covered in blood, burying someone with your bare hands, you, you need therapy. And his same uncontrolled temper caused him to hit the rock 
When God said, speak to the rock, he was mad and he hit it anyway, and it kept him from going into the promised land, never got control over it. That's a serious anger problem when you're like 100 years old. Still getting upset. I've never seen an angry man in his 90s. <laughs> They're usually, even guys that were angry when they were like my age, they mellow out at like 70 and 80. Moses is still taking sticks and hitting rocks. So I don't want to hear about Moses being your excuse for why uh, you're, you're in training. God just has me on the backside of the desert. Sure he does. Job. Job's entire ordeal lasted less than two years, according to Bible scholars. Job 42.10, the Lord gave Job double everything that he lost, and he lived another 140 years after that with wealth, enjoying his family. And he was two covenants back. And the thing that caused Job to lose his progress is not allowed to happen to a Christian today. We're redeemed. How was Satan able to access Job? On the basis of his justification. If you let me touch him, I can get him to curse you. Job was justified by his own righteousness. We are not justified by our righteousness. We're justified by our faith in Christ. So the means Satan used to attack Job could never be used to attack you and I. What other problematic scriptures? What about storms? How many know Jesus and the disciples went through a storm? Sometimes we go through stormy seasons in life. I got to stop you right there. They weren't in a stormy season. The whole thing took place in one night. They Jesus wasn't on the, on the boat with the disciples for 14 years in a storm, trying to get to the other side. I know many of us might be going through storms, and it seems like years have passed. Okay, then you need a new captain in your ship. Because you can sail out of one, you can rebuke the storm. Somebody write down one night. So don't turn a storm into a season. What about Paul in prison? How I know we might be going through a prison time, but late in the midnight hour, when you least expect it, God will break you out. Well, people like that, if you preach like that, there'll be people up clapping and shouting. People love messages that absolve them of any responsibility or action. I mean, no, God's going to save Pittsburgh. Ooh, I don't have to give. I don't have to pray. I don't have to work. Ooh. Welfare Christianity. Don't do anything. Just get your check from God in the mail. What about Paul in prison? How many know God took him out late in the midnight hour? That's right, because he got thrown in jail at about 11.15. He got thrown in. He had time to pray and sing praises. And he was out. Somebody write it again. One night. What does uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis say? This momentary light affliction. That's what Paul said. Momentary light. And Brother Jesse said, the Lord instructed him, tell, the, tell my people 
You've taken momentary and light and turned it into lifelong hardship. Somebody write those two words down. Momentary, light. That's what the Bible says. This momentary, light affliction. Do problems come? Yeah. Deal with them in the same day. David and Goliath. How I many you know Goliath mocked God for 40 days? 40 represents a cycle of completion. And that's why on the 40th day, no. Goliath wasn't randomly taken out because on 40 days the cycle of completion was finished. He was taken out because a 17-year-old boy said, I'm not listening to this clown talk about my God for one more hour. I'm going to take his head off right now. And that's what ended it. So, Moses, Job, David and Goliath, Jesus in the storm, Paul in prison. People's five favorite scriptures to justify um, a season of waiting, dry seasons, seasons of attack. All five ended other than Job. Moses was his own fault. Job is not able to happen to the New Testament Christian. David and Goliath, Jesus in the storm, and Paul in prison all ended in one day. And all five ended not because God made up his mind to do something. All five seasons of problems came to an end because a man took an action. I want you to write this down. I'm in control of my seasons of life. Decisions create seasons. If I made a decision to tolerate strife in my marriage and a decision to divorce Adonis, that would create a season of financial lack and backward steps in our ministry. You lose credibility. Decisions create seasons. A decision to cheat on my wife would be a, a decision to create a season of economic hardship. Hey, Brad, in Logan, West Virginia. Good to see you. The devil doesn't create my seasons, and God doesn't create my seasons. My decisions create my seasons. Paul's decision to pray and sing praises to God in prison broke, broke him out of prison. Jesus' decision to rebuke the wind and waves ended that season. David's decision to go attack Goliath ended his season. Let me tell you, if I ended right now and you, you get this part that I'm doing, it'll, it, it'd be a worthwhile morning because... The, the switch that flips from that there's these random seasons that are just being given to me by God or understanding that I dictate my seasons. Jesus literally dictated his season. It was a storm. He spoke and the weather changed. Elijah literally dictated the seasons. There will be no dew or rain until I give the word. I'm in control of the seasons of my life. What did Jesse Duplantis say? 
I've never had a, a financial deficit in however many years of ministry, 40. And he said, you know why? Because I never believed for it. You hear people say they, they believe for it. You know, when times are good and there's a lot of money, you want to store away and get ready for the times when times aren't so good and there's less money. Okay, where's that in the Bible? From glory to glory, from victory to victory, from strength to strength. How do people quote that all the time in church and then make allowance for ups and downs? You will always be the head. Deuteronomy 28, you will never be the tail. You will always be on top. You will never be at the bottom. Colton said, I don't mean to cut you off, but what would you say to someone who the reason why they don't move and take action is for a fear of failure or fear of rejection? What would you say to that person? I'd say the same thing God said to Joshua. Do not be afraid. Fear paralyzes. It's not really a good time to buy buildings right now. It's not really a good time to hire right now. They're um, forecasting an, an economic recession. I don't care. I'm not having one. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a long enough life to have a recession. 80 years, 90 years, it's not enough. I can't, I, I'm, that's why I wouldn't shut the ministry down. You know that? The main reason I wouldn't shut the ministry down is because of what I'm teaching you right now. Um, we need you guys to just take like a year until COVID, until we get COVID. No, I'm not. I'm not taking a year and doing less. I'm going to do more. I'm not taking a month off. It was unscriptural. We need you to close the church down. I'm not closing anything down. I'm not slowing anything down. I'm advancing. You can, you, I can promise you this. If China nuked the United States, I would, I would ramp up my preaching schedule. I wouldn't do it right in ground zero. I would pay attention to which way the, the fallout was blowing, and I would go preach other places. Because people would be terrorized and they would need faith. And go hide until, every, until you get the all clear. It's time to move. Scriptural examples of immediate turnaround. Turn to 1 Samuel 14. I want to talk about changing your season. You don't like the season you're in? Change it. Did you know you can even do that in life? I used to hate this time of year because summer's over. And even the summer is the grossest, stickiest, hottest season of the year because it's when you have off as a child and it's when your family takes their vacations. It gets ingrained into you that summer is like this awesome. You notice people, even when they're adults, take their vacations in the summer. Summer vacations were because nobody had air conditioning. But now it's actually the worst time to take a vacation. Anyway, this isn't a, a message about vacations. I used to start hating this time of year because, you know, then the first time it hits like 68 degrees for high and you don't feel the summer heat in the air. I, I like summer. I do like it, despite all the bad things I said about it. But you know what I realized? I can change my season with one Southwest Airlines flight. 
summer's over. No, you can go fly to Qatar. You can go fly to Palm Springs in Texas, or in, uh, sorry, in California. It's summer there year-round. Go fly to Scottsdale, Arizona. It's summer. It's always summer. I was talking to somebody when I was in Arizona. They said, I don't like living here because uh, I miss winter. I said, fly to Colorado. Oh, that's true. I actually can get on a plane and have whatever season I want. So now I don't care anymore. Because I'm only a southwest flight away from any season I want. Well, let's take that over into the spirit realm. If you don't like the season you're in, change it. I want you to write that down. If you don't like the season you're in, or make it personal. If I don't like the season I'm in, change it. Exactly. Yeah, Tampa too. Miami is always summer. Hawaii, it's always summer. Alaska, there's places you can go where it would always be winter. That's awesome, Tricia. Tricia said, we moved here to Pennsylvania to be a part of RTC and to change our season and trajectory in life. Moving is part of the equation many times. And many people are unwilling to move geographically. The average human being is born, lives, and dies within a 50-mile radius of where they, where they grew up. Oh, that's awesome, Marari. Don't, don't miss Page, Arizona, this time when you go. All right. Three, now there's more, but here's three scriptural examples of people making a decision to turn their season around. First, first Samuel 14. Jonathan told his armor bearer, we will cross over and let the enemy see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. But if, we, if they say, come up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Climb on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said in his, to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. I want you to write that down. The Lord will help me defeat my enemies. The Lord will help me advance. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. For the sake of time, I'm not reading the whole story, but the Philistines had God's people pinned down. Saul had everybody fast. Nothing happened. And Jonathan refused to fast and went forward and attacked. And God gave him the victory. Am I against fasting? No. But the man of action will always beat the man who only has prayer and fasting. 1 Samuel 30. Go a little further. 1 Samuel 30.
Verse 2. David's enemies had carried off women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the, what did the Lord tell him? Yes. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. For the sake of time, David did just that. He got everything back. He took action. He went after them. He changed his season. He, it was a very sad. His life is threatened. He's lost his wives and children. He encouraged himself in the Lord. God, will you help me get back what I lost? Yep. Pursue them right now. You'll overtake them and you'll recover everything. 2 Samuel 5, 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through or the God of the breakthrough. The Philistines abandoned their idols there. So David and his men confiscated them. I want you to write that down. The God of the breakthrough. None of these scriptures. Do you, Father, should I go after my enemy? No. Accept your defeat, saith the Lord. For thou art in a season of waiting. Sometimes things happen that we don't understand. God of the breakthrough. Go! I'll hand them over to you. God didn't deliver them in body bags. They had to go and fight. And the Lord, you know, how do you explain what happened? Okay. Where, I got a question for you, and I want you to answer in the comments. When David launched his stone, the rock at Goliath's head, where did it hit him? Where did, it, where did the rock hit Goliath in the head? While I'm waiting for your answer, I'll enjoy this delicious beverage. That's right. Good job, Kieran. Kiernan, sorry. Now everybody's got it. Forehead. Has a baseball player ever been hit in the forehead with a baseball? No. Because when you see some, something coming, you turn your head. Who held Goliath's head still? Who immobilized his enemy? So you take your position... You make your moves, and God immobilizes your enemy. Teamwork. 
Second Chronicles 20. You won't even need to fight, lift a uh, fight today. The Lord will fight for you. Now take your positions. So you don't have to fight, but take your position. There's always your position to take. I want you to write that down. There's always my position to take. Even when God did the fighting for Israel, they had to take their position and sing praises. Well, Charles said Giancarlo Stanton got hit in the forehead with a ball. Hmm. wonder if he had been cursing Israel for 40 days. That's very odd. And I don't mean temple. I mean forehead. All right. Let's close it out. Who told you you're in a season of waiting? Destiny-changing decisions you can make today. So now here are practical Jesus took action against the wind and waves. David took action against Goliath. Elijah took action against the drought. Here are seven points of action that you can take, all seven, that guarantee a change of seasons. Number one, stop running your dreams by zeal killers, lessons from the life of Joseph. Number one, most of these are things to do, but this is something to stop doing. Stop running your dreams by zeal killers. When God gives you a dream, there's a zeal that is attached to that dream. There's an energy that comes with it. You think about it. You get excited. If, if you're somebody um, who wonders what your purpose in life is, that's the number one way to discover it. What excites you? What could you do all day for free? When God gives you a dream, there's an energy that comes with it. I feel the Lord called me to preach. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Bible school and I'm, I'm going to, well, you know, just remember. It's kind of a difficult time to be doing that. Who wants to hear what a 23-year-old has to say anyway? <sighs> when Joseph shared his dream, his, his brothers tried to kill him. <laughs> Not everyone's happy about you and your future. And the people, family is usually the one who is last to see the greatness in you and the greatness of your dream. When David shared what he was going to do to Goliath, he got no encouragement, he got discouragement. So the, a good way to make sure your dream is dead on arrival is to run it by people that are anointed by hell to suck the strength out of you. Mm, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. You know, our next move in the ministry is to build a church building. 99 out of 100 people, if I shared that with them. Well, I, I don't know if I'd do that now. You know, right now they say church attendance is down. Building materials are at an all-time high, and we're expecting a recession. 
That's, that would be the response I would get. I wouldn't get, that's great. I'll give the first quarter million. Those people are rare. Number one, stop running your dreams by dream killers. Number two, on the flip side, speak with those who have done the thing you're trying to do. I'm telling you this right now. If you missed everything else I said, don't miss this. The frustration in life comes from having a destination, but knowing, not knowing how to get there. Let me find the scripture on that. It's in Ecclesiastes. Wearieth him. Wearieth. Wearieth. For he knows not how to go into the city. Good job. Ecclesiastes 10, 15. In the King James, the labor of the foolish, the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Doesn't know how to get to his destination. Pastor Rodney told me he sees a stadium full and people streaming down on the altar to get saved. How do I get a stadium? How do I get the stadium full of people who need to hear the gospel? Talk to people who have done it. Now, your thing might not be that. Your thing might be, uh, I, I spoke with a great couple yesterday. They have an awesome Nonprofit. I never heard of one like it. I liked the, I liked it a lot. And they didn't know how to make it. It's such an awesome thing, but they don't know how to do it where it has money coming in. They want to do it full time, not part time. So I put them in touch with somebody that runs a similar nonprofit. Not only don't speak to dream killers. Speak to those who have done the thing you're trying to do. When we get ready to, yeah, that was Ecclesiastes 10, 15 in the King James. Otherwise it messes it up. When we get ready to buy land, I have several people I'm going to speak with at length that know land and real estate and land from a church point of view. That's what the Bible means when it says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Not stupid counselors, good counselors. Bensonita Hosa had a saying, anyone who hasn't done the thing you're trying to do twice is disqualified from, from telling you how to do it once. If you're thinking about making a huge land purchase, don't, don't talk to people that don't own any land. If you're thinking about building a home, don't talk to people who've never built a home. Number three, 
praise. Second Chronicles 20. Praise is a season changer. And the moment they began to, 2 Chronicles 20, the moment they began to give God praise, the Lord sent ambushments against their enemy. They began killing each other. They dropped all the, their wealth and fled. Complaining magnifies trouble. Praise magnifies God. God steps into the praise and turns the season around. I mean, right then. When they gave a shout around the walls of Jericho, the walls didn't fall over time. The walls fell flat immediately. Praise is an action you can take. Father, I praise you for supernatural advancement. Number four. Prayer and fasting is a season changer. Job 42.10. When did, did, did uh, Job randomly snap out of his troubles? No, he took an action. And Job prayed for his friends. And when he did, the Lord turned his captivity and restored double everything that had been taken. Prayer. Daniel. Prayer and fasting. Changed the season. Why are we still in captivity? The time that Jeremiah prophesied we would be in captivity is over, but we're still in captivity. Give me the answer. The Lord gave him the answer, and the process of breaking them out of Babylonian captivity began with prayer and fasting. How many of you joined us on the 21 days of prayer and fasting to start the year? It's been, a, been a, an amazing year. In the midst of recession, in the midst of war and chaos, prayer and fasting is a season changer. Number five, change your confession. Elijah changed seasons by his confession. There will be no do or rain for the next, unless I give the word. Today, I will call down fire from heaven and we'll see who, whose God is God. Get into, get into your chariot, for I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There wasn't even one cloud in the sky. Change your confession. Never use your mouth to amplify what's against you and what challenges you're facing. Hey, River Church in Amsterdam, you're doing a great job. You're an inspiration. Use your mouth to change your seasons. I will pursue. I will overtake. I will recover all. If God is for me, who can be against me? I have plenty of provision. The windows of heaven are open over my life and my business. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will prosper in the midst of famine. Talk like that. Change your confession. Kenneth Hagin said, most Christians' trouble is tongue trouble. Stop giving life to your storms. Stop giving life to your dry season. Your seasons are dry because you say they are. That's why it's dry. I'm in a dry season. Keep talking. You always will be. 
Won't even require any help from the devil. I'm, I mean, start flipping it around. I'm not in the dry season. I'm the head and not the tail. Always above, never beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Blessed when I come in, blessed when I go out. That's what the Bible says. It's not, po it's not like positive uh, thoughts. It's the covenant word of God. Number six, run with the runners. Don't sit with the sitters. Be a Jonathan, not a Saul. Saul sat and starved and fasted. It was time to fight. There's a time to pray and there's a time to fight. When it's time to fight, it's a sin to pray. John G. Lake said, oftentimes men use prayer as a refuge to dodge the action of faith. Run with the runners. Get around people that are doing something in life. It's the main advantage people have received to have moved to this church from wherever they were. If you're at this church, you're around people that are going forward. And it makes a difference. You make friends that are going forward. It's not a bunch of half-backslidden people that are looking to stay on welfare. That their plan to increase their income is to have another baby out of wedlock. You're not going to find that here. You're going to find people com coming out and coming forward. Run with the runners. Don't sit with the sitters. Number seven. Meet. There's somebody you need to meet. Have an encounter with Jesus Christ. John chapter 5, a man that was crippled for 38 years. When he came in contact with Jesus, began to walk. 38 years of stagnation, broken. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'll be in Dallas, Texas this coming week. 38 years of stagnation, broken. With one conversation with Jesus. Meet Jesus. Get born again. Repent of sin. If you're living with somebody you're not married to, get the relationship under the blood in the covenant of marriage or end it. Don't live it. Remember, even that man that I'm referencing in John 5 that Jesus made to walk again, Jesus told him, now you are better, so stop sinning, lest a worse thing come upon you. You cannot have what I'm teaching outside of covenant with God, and you can only have covenant with God through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Great one, Charles. Woman with the issue of blood, same thing. She had spent everything she owned on doctors and was no better. In fact, she was worse. But when she heard about Jesus and pressed in and touched him, 12, 13, uh, 12 years changed. Jesus is a season changer. 
He, he makes you more than a conqueror. Do you know him? Are you living for him? You can't half live for him. Jesus will either be everything or he'll be nothing at all. Sell everything you have and come follow me. Come follow me. I have to bury my father first. He just died. Let the dead bury their dead. You're either with me or you stay where you're at. I want to challenge you to receive Jesus today. If you've fallen away from him and you've become like an American Christian, maybe you wandered on YouTube and you don't know Christ. I want you to pray this with me right now. He's one prayer away, one conversation away. Say this out loud from your heart. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me know that you did, right? I did in the comments. And more importantly, go to revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. When you fill that out, I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. Do that right now. And then Kevin said, please pray for my breakthrough. I am going to pray. But I'll only pray for those that promise they're going to make a move today. The God of breakthrough didn't show himself to the people that weren't doing anything. He showed himself to David who prayed, should I go? Yes, you should go. I'll deliver your enemy into your hand. And he went and he experienced the God of breakthrough. Yes, revival. Jeff, that's awesome. Welcome to the family. Make sure you fill that out. Revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. That's, the, 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 that's where everything starts. It's the most important move if you've not made it is to give your life to Jesus Christ. For everybody that will agree to make a move today. Father, thank you that you are the God of breakthrough. You've not changed. You never change. Show people the way forward today. What you've stirred in their heart, give them the strength to do. If others have stolen their zeal, give them fresh zeal. In Jesus' name. May there be one testimony after another of great breakthroughs and great victories. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do a move that matters. Seed sowing affects the accomplishment of your, of your destiny and vision. You've heard me tell the story. When we had no building to meet in, which was less than a year ago, I sowed a $100,000 seed into Rodney Howard Brown's building project, knowing what I preach. Ephesians 6.8, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. And the building we're in now, by a miracle, it's a miracle building, came into our possession effortlessly. It's been a dream. 
What you sow, you reap. You can't reap a harvest that isn't due you. I'm believing God's going to just somehow give me it. What have you, what have you sown? Start with what you have. You might not have what you need, but you have a seed. And a seed, when it's sown properly, will not just produce what you need. It'll produce what you need and more. Did you know from that Pittsburgh crusade, you don't have another night of the Pittsburgh crusade queued up, do you? Because it's, it's been 40 minutes since I played it. you got new people on. Play, play, I want you to see this real quick, and I'm going to make a point. Oh, one minute. The people you're, that you saw get saved at Steel City Fest, good? Go ahead, roll it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I see the help of heaven coming to you and your family tonight. Your children aren't meant for destruction. Your children aren't meant to have to go and try to sell drugs to get food. No. This is your hour to come out of Egypt and go into Canaan's fair land. When you go to bed one night a slave in Egypt and you wake up the next morning carrying all your gold and silver headed to your own home in Canaan, that's called supernatural breakthrough and turnaround. Man can't do that. Politicians don't have the power to do that. I don't care what election year they come through and make you a bunch of promises. They can't do it. Man does not have the capacity to lift mankind out of trouble. But Jesus, the Son of God, made flesh. He came to destroy the power of the devil and set people free. I came to tell you, when you call on him tonight, he will answer you. It only takes one person in a family to say enough is enough. I wasn't put here to struggle. I was put here to carry the blessing of God. Now, that's awesome, and it's great seeing the altar response, but the, the, the end game is to get people plugged into church. Of the 1,922 that made decisions for Christ, we have just under 400 of them that have registered um, for the bus stops to be bussed into church this Sunday. Now, I say that because it was 100 and some two days ago. Now it's up to 400. And growing. So now we need 10, probably what, 10 buses? Because they're picking different stops up. Eight buses. And then we're giving everybody that comes a, 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 as a thank you and a help, you know, inner city. A $100 um, grocery card. That's about 50 grand invested in one Sunday to make sure people are uh, followed up on. Will you help me with that? I believe that can come in today. I believe there's one person that can sow a $50,000 seed and say, I want to sow a seed to see that moved me. I want to see people established in church. Maybe you can't uh, do 50, but from your business, you can do 20. Can't do 20, you can do 10. Can't do 10, you can do five. I'm asking you to do something big to help us. Because this, this thing's growing fast. We need all hands on deck. If you believe in this ministry, I saw somebody write in the comments, I want to be a part of something that's alive. I want to, you know, if you're unhappy where you're at, come to Pittsburgh. 
like all those unhappy, discontent, in-debt people followed David to his cave. Come to Pittsburgh, follow me. Be a part of something that's alive. We're raising an army of men and women that are soul winners, sold out Christians. Come here. If you're 18 to 35, enroll in Bible college. Oh, we need way more than 10 buses. So what's it up to now, Kofi? Uh, you want my address? You're in Coventry, Rhode Island, you said. I went to Bible school in Barrington, Rhode Island. I'm sure you know where that is. And I used to go to the Bristol State Park to play hockey on rollerblades every time the weather was nice. Yes, we're starting a farm. We had three different pieces of land off offered to us. I haven't heard where we're at in that. We're starting a bank. We're winning. I mean... You're not going to sit around. There's as much as you'd like to do. Oh, my goodness. It's up over at 550 registered for the bus now. Hmm. Maybe we should just charter like a 767. Actually, couldn't even fit 550 on that. Plus, they get weird about you landing it in the street. Will you help me today? Will you stand with us to do the actual work? You can't make that happen for God. Remember, when you get involved in this, you're bringing God's dream to pass. You cannot help bring God's dream to pass and not see the desires of your heart come to pass for you. Your husband said yesterday the only way he'd move to Pennsylvania is if it was in the country. Um, Pennsylvania is in the United States. And then most of Pennsylvania, if you, if you go outside of Pittsburgh, about 15 minutes, you're in the country. I'm going to send you the book as a way to say thank you. Dream Seeds. If you enjoyed this message, this will fortify. Amen, Charles. I received that. Dream Seeds. What would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? By Dr. Mike Murdoch. No, Pittsburgh gets rural very quickly. Here's the ways you can give. If somebody, anybody that does 25,000 or more, I'll send you this Dake Bible that I use for study and I'll, I'll autograph it to you, whoever the first one is, including if you're watching on replay or podcast. Give a seed to make this Sunday possible. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Revivaltoday.com. You can click give now. I want you to sow it with your faith attached. You do, Allison, need to move. There's several people that should just cut to the chase and move here because you're going to move here. So if you're going to in two years, why not just do it now and save yourself two years of, of frustration? Thank you, Lyric. Um, 
Cash app, dollar sign RT Give. Venmo, at RT Give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. Cryptocurrency. Then if you want to mail it, which you, you pretty much have to do if it's a larger seed. Thanks, Kevin. I hope to meet you soon. Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you live in Colorado, get on Interstate 70 and drive on Interstate 70 East. It'll take you right basically to Pittsburgh. So it's easy. Just point it east, put it in cruise control, and... Um, if you need to talk to someone, again, I'm believing for somebody to do 25,000, 50,000, you would not have to become a Pirates fan. 412-446-2332, plus one, 412-446-2332. If God's speaking to you in Africa today, Australia, New Zealand, I just want to say thanks to whoever that giver is going to be. It's going to make a major move from their business. I feel that today. Um, and then why not show up and see what you gave for this is going to be an amazing Sunday so 10 a.m. Montour Junction Sports Complex Revival Today Church that's this Sunday I'm there. Sunday night, I'm not there. I'm beginning something I've been looking forward to. I, I don't always look forward to meetings, but this one I have a special feeling about. Sunday at 7 p.m., then Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. and 7 p.m., Church in the City in Rowlett, Texas. That's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Show of, my, of uh, emoji hands if you're coming to that to any part of it. Love you in Maui. You guys are great. That's where I got my uh, evangelistic training, to be honest. Crusade evangelism, anyway. And then marriage conference tonight. Friday, 7 p.m. You can also come if you're engaged. I think that's it. That's it. Thank you for your giving. I'll see you at prayer at uh, 12.05, just in a handful of minutes. I love you very much. Hope you enjoyed this series. Um, get this, I'm going to get this made into a small book. Who told you you're in a season of waiting? Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.